As always, a huge thank you to Starboard, who are once again this season's main sponsors. Starboard has a history of innovation across water sports, starting in 1994 by revolutionising the design of windsurf boards. And they've brought that bang up to date recently, bringing foil windsurfing onto the Olympic stage with their IQ foil package. Starboard got behind stand-up paddleboarding in a huge way in the early days and continued to lead the industry to reduce their environmental impact. Their focus on innovation brought them seven world champions at the ICF Worlds last year, and all of them were using their Lima paddle range. They continue to improve and innovate their boards and their paddles for all abilities across all flavours of the sport, including adventure. And you can find out more about Starboard through their website, which is linked to in the show notes. Welcome to the SUPFM podcast with me, Simon Hutchinson. Every week, I chat with interesting people from the SUP world or to people who can help us, the paddlers of the SUP tribe, to improve and to maximise our own experiences and our love of both the sport and the water. Every episode is designed to inspire or to help you get a deeper immersion into the sport through my conversations with leading athletes, scientists, explorers, TED speakers and New York Times best-selling authors. And not forgetting some of the many insanely inspiring distance paddlers we've routinely had on the show. In this, the final episode of the season, I had the privilege of chatting with Bart, Wes and Wit from SUPVET. SUPVETs are a non-profit organisation who organise SUPSurf retreats for military veterans, which are designed to help give focus, direction or support as they adjust to life outside the services. And the tutors on this course helping them to build these new skills are pretty useful too. We've got Sean Pointer, who's an APP SUPSurf World Champion, Ian Kanga Cairns, who's a legendary surfer, and also pro SUP surfer Daniel Hughes, amongst others, who provide the expertise. Now, this is a positive and sometimes really funny conversation, but we do deal with some gritty subjects in here, and there's a bit of fruity language, and we obviously discuss the mental health of veterans, and that also obviously includes the tragic loss of veterans through mental health crises. So if you think you could be offended by the language or if you'd rather not listen to the subject matter, you might want to download another episode. But I found this a really powerful and uplifting chat. And while sometimes it felt a bit like herding cats, I did get a bit of philosophy from a US Navy SEAL, which is not something which happens to me every day. These are a great bunch of guys. They've really found their purpose and they're loving the difference they're making to their brothers and their sisters in the military through their organisation. So in the final episode this season, here's Bart, Wes and Wit from SUPFETS. Hey guys, welcome to SUPFM. Awesome. Thanks for having us, Simon. Really excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, it's a great pleasure to have you guys on the show. Um, using time on the water to benefit mental health is a subject we've been back to on various occasions because it's one of those key hooks of the sport. And 
one that's particularly important to everyone during these strange years that we've been experiencing recently. But you founded something that's really quite special and which addresses an issue, which is a, a problem which is endemic amongst ex-servicemen and veterans. Um, you're the founders of a charity called SupVets, and the purpose of the charity is to provide retreats for veterans and teach them to SupSurf. And in the process, it gives them a new focus, coping strategies and the support which helps them to manage symptoms of depression and PSD and various other aspects, um, which have been driven, obviously, by their experiences serving. So I understand that you've recently finished your third retreat and it's just been getting better and better, which is amazing. So thank you for your service. Thank you very much for coming on the show. And uh, I'm joined by Bart, Wes and Wit. And you've all served in the military on active service and you're all now out in the civilian world. So just by way of introduction, could you um, each just give a top line on your military background, your relationship with water before SUP vets and how you discovered SUP? And Bart, could I just start with you? So you started as a Navy aviator, didn't you, at the Top Gun School? Yeah. Yep, that's correct. So I spent 11 years flying uh, F-14s for the Navy. Uh, I was a Top Gun graduate, which, oh, by the way, I fell asleep in Top Gun 2 Maverick. So if you want to talk about that movie, that should tell you what I thought of it. But um, yeah, uh, and then, um, you know, we, quite frankly, we uh, we vacationed at the beach every summer, right? And uh, we had an opportunity. I flew out of Miramar earlier in my career. And so at the time we had two daughters and, um, you know, we really didn't take advantage of the beach town nature of San Diego, uh, most of the time because I was gone, but, uh, civilian business opportunities brought the opportunity to come back out here. So we jumped on it and my wife basically asked me, you know, well, what are you going to do when you get out here? And I had a friend who was up surfing and I just said, I'm going to teach myself how to stand up paddleboard surf. Uh, seven years ago, I had never been on the surfboard. Uh, now, uh, I've got a trip to Maldives planned in September to go with some professional surfers and it's, it's my life. It's changed me. I love it. And I love to share it. And that's why I have two brothers who are involved, uh, with it. So it's quite a story. Um, and it's been transformational. In fact, Wes, uh, will speak next. <laughs> when I first started going out with Wes, he didn't want to go out with me. That's how bad I was. So I just kept at it. And so now Wes and I have so much fun together on the water and wits our newest newcomer and he's got the bug so uh i'll i'll hand it off to uh to my two brothers there but yeah um naval aviator navy and just fell in love with surfing it's phenomenal so and and wes you you spent 25 years active duty as a, a navy seal and i know seals operate across all theaters um but you're amphibious specialist so i guess you had a pretty interesting relationship and understanding with the water yeah, actually, and, and Bart's too hard on himself. Um, I I love welcoming anyone into the fold um, because I know what surfing has done for me. So that just to put that out there, as far as like uh, that, that's how we. And I know Bart's just kidding, but I mean, just that's what we as a as a as an organization really want to get out there is that we welcome all Stoke, right? And so mm. it's really about connecting uh, with that living being that's the ocean. So that just my my own little zen that I get into. Um, so yeah, back to, uh, just my background a little bit. Um, I actually started out, uh, came out of Naval Academy in 1988. I say I didn't graduate. I got paroled. So when I got paroled out of the Academy, um, uh, I was, yeah, I, I had my choice of a surface warfare officer 
and or surface warfare officers. So I drove a ship for for, uh, for a couple of years and then were able to have the opportunity in the, in the, um, and just the, uh, great, uh, you know, ways of going back into Naval Special Warfare, becoming a Navy SEAL, um, came one in 1992, uh, and then served the rest of that time, a little over 21 years as a, as that came out in 2013. Um, as far as like the connection with the water, obviously you're immersed in it. And I'll tell you, it goes back to I was a kid in Arizona of all places. Uh, we went to San Diego for the first time when I was 12 and I had never seen the beach before. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And while I wasn't an Olympic swimmer by any stretch of the imagination, I was extremely comfortable in the water. And, uh, that's, and, and again, I was just completely drawn to the ocean. Matter of fact, I turned down a, an opportunity to go to Disneyland that day because my mom asked me what either Disneyland or the beach. I was like, let's go back to the beach. And I so, never heard that Wes. Yeah. Man. Wow. Um, yeah. So, uh, and, and so it's, and it's so kind of stuck with me. And, and when I got out of the Academy and I couldn't uh, quite go to seals yet, it was definitely a motivating factor getting, um, back to, or getting into the Navy seals. And it was definitely a motivating factor getting through seal training, um, through, I never actually learned to surf though, until I turned 30. So, um, big year that year, I finally got, uh, got a couple lessons and learned how to regular surf. And that's kind of what I continue on doing up until I was 47. And then there was this thing called, yeah, I got diagnosed with the direct impingements on both shoulders, had surgery on both shoulders. And, uh, the symptom was basically an active male over 40 as the doctor called it. And so in the recovery for that, I was look, I was watching the guys in the lineup starting to you know, see increasing SUPs. Um, in a, in a surf lineup. And I was like, you know, I bet you that'll take the pressure off my shoulders. And I, and so I took a lesson in Coronado and I got, and it took me three hours before I got my first wave and I got it. And I was like, Ooh, and I, but the thing that really stuck with me after that session was the fact that my shoulders were totally fine coming out of that. And so, um, I knew that that was the way to go. Um, so I finally, again, at the age of 47, finally figured out how to stand up paddle surf. I'm 57 now. So I've been doing this for about 10 years and like Bart, love it. Couldn't get, can't get enough of it. And then just want to share the stoke. That's my story. Excellent. And Whit, so you're the newest member of the team, I guess, Army Ranger, uh, West Point, obviously military background. What was your exposure to water and how did you get get to, to grips with salt and simon i can't wait for this answer this is going to be awesome <laughs> yeah so uh you know after some time in the service bart and i met each other in the civilian world and despite the major you know gulf between us of being army guys and navy guys we managed to somehow form you know form and forge a friendship slash brotherhood um we were probably out on the road trying to sell some business you know undoubtedly at a cocktail hour and had a discussion about, uh, sup, sup vets, what became sup vets from the retreats and everything. And I just happened to reside in the state of Tennessee, which is a wonderful place to set up businesses at nonprofits. And so as we were having that discussion, I, you know, I couldn't identify a sup board a paddle or anything in between at the time, but I was like, you know what I'm in? Uh, let's, let's do something great. So, uh, you know, as we set up the foundation uh, of what we've done here, we did it in the state of Tennessee. I've been able to attend one retreat. I know we're going to get into the power of the retreats later. So we'll, we'll, we'll pause on that for the time being. Um, and, and one thing I'll say for, for the three of us, in my opinion, is 
we had a vision for what we're trying to do here. Right now, the medium we're using is, is the water and stand-up paddle surfing. But we've left ourselves open for a lot of other opportunities. And we kind of just generally called it outdoor pursuits. Um, Wes, in, in his lifestyle growing up, myself growing up and continued our big-time sportsmen, you know, waterfowling, hunting of all varieties. And that's something we may very well expand into down the road. So I'll pause there. Excellent. And uh, do you still know the uh, right end of a paddle from the other? Well, believe it or not, due to the high level of training, uh, even I called a wave at, at a retreat. Uh, so that's, uh, there's your bar, you know, so what you need. It changes your life, doesn't it? That first wave. Oh, unbelievable. Okay. So, I mean, you kind of answered uh, my next question, which is how did you guys meet up? Because obviously in the natural uh, life, Army and Navy don't tend to uh, meet or, or or generally not in a positive way. I don't know whether that's just the British experience or not, but uh, seems to apply over there in the US as well. Um, so, so, so Barton Wes, uh, how did you get to know each other? Boy, well, yeah. uh, go ahead. you got it, Wes, because I want to hear his version. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was this guy that had fallen off his uh, tricycle and I had to pick him up off the street. You know, it was, uh, <laughs> it, it was, <laughs> it was, uh, there was this, um, I had actually just gotten out. I think I've been out about a year. And, uh, I was still affiliated with the organization, another nonprofit called the Honor Foundation. The Honor Foundation, um, was founded, uh, basically helping vets transition. And I don't mean just by writing resumes and things like that, but they would help us out network. And so I had opportunities to network up in the LA basin. Um, this, uh, they had also had free or were provided us tickets to a thing called Stocktoberfest, which is a fintech, you know, uh, meeting there in, in Coronado, California that year. And so, or convention, that's what the word I was looking for. And so when I went there, I ran into fart and we hit it off immediately, immediately. And so I think what was the hour and a half we just just talking about, I mean, everything from the universe has a rhythm, you know, and into the butterfly effects and the whole theory on, on every, you know, the theory of life, the theory of the theory of life even. And, um, and so with that, I, you know, I invited him to come out surfing with me. And we kept doing that. And then, and then all Thank that you part was it? Absolutely. It was. And so, um, yes, it was a cluster fork to getting out, but that's how everybody is. I mean, no one goes out as Kelly Slater, you know, everyone goes out having to flail and that's part mm-hmm. of the process. One of my, um, three tenets of leadership is process is more important than outcome. And cause you have to go through that in order to actually earn what you do. Right. And so the, I looked at Bart as my special project. <laughs> He's done pretty well. <laughs> well, that's pretty incredible. So, so where I don't know whether you can can help me with this and some general um, background about you know what it is that SUPVETS is, is is set up to to deal with, but just in general terms, um, you know the, the mental health issues in the military are, are kind of a bit renowned and. And uh, the military is kind of like a, an environment which provides that perfect storm because you've got a bunch of mostly guys. Um, as we know, men in general aren't good at talking, seeking help or admitting any weaknesses. So we already started a bit of a disadvantage there. Um, then you've got the training. So, you know, military training, mission focused, manning up. You know, th- there is a need to repress 
um, emotions within the military culture for the sort of stuff you have to do. And then you've got the trauma that you experience, physical and mental, when you're out there, all of the sort of mayhem of conflict and all of the extreme experiences on active service. So I guess when you're in that situation, when you're in the bubble with your buddies, you get some support there, you get each other, you've got common experiences there but it's all very much repressed and then when you get back you get back home it can all start bubbling out so really there's there's not a a worse combination because on one hand you've got a serious need for help and then on the other side you've got a a barrier to seeking help does that kind of sum up the the mental health situation And, and what's your experience of sort of coming across that sort of culture and those sorts of difficulties no, I think you did a really nice job of summarizing. So I won't, I, I definitely won't try to add any color there. Um, here's the other part that I think occurs. And the three of us have talked about this a lot, to be honest with you. So you, you come out of the military and you're right, there is a brotherhood. And even if we're not the most highly functional brotherhood, you do know that people have your back. And then you make a transition to civilian time, whether it's after five years for me a full career for Wes, you know, kind of in between for Bart is you, you do kind of, no, no matter how connected we may be as a society in this, in the modern day, you do disconnect yourself from the tightness of that brotherhood, the daily interaction, uh, in, you know, in a personal face-to-face manner. And so at some point, I think every transition and veteran finds themselves somewhat alone. It just in that process. And Some of us, I'll speak for myself, some of us are lucky enough in the civilian sector to find brotherhood. We're lucky enough to to find employment that employs other people like us with shared backgrounds, shared needs, concerns, et cetera. And we form our new, forged new brotherhood. Other people are not as lucky. And so they tend to, they're, they're swimming against the current that you get tired and you can run into problems there. and. We, in our, in our world here, um, we see the ramifications of swimming against the current alone a lot. And I lost a West Point classmate last week, took his own life. I mean, we're, we're, we're 20 plus years out of the academy. We're in our mid forties. People look like they have the, the, the world is their oyster families, kids that are doing great, et cetera. And then the reality is, is unknowingly they're swimming against the current and they get tired and, and these things happen. So it is a real issue. Um, let me pause there. Yeah, I think it's typical with, with servicemen all, all the way across the, the world and, you know, particularly in Britain as well. And and I think generally the military over the years hasn't really had a good history of, of recognising, let alone um, looking after mental health issues suffered by veterans and particularly in that transition phase. Well, I was going to say, I completely agree with you. And I, th- you know, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to get on a platform, you know, so to speak, but I, we, I've always kind of defined the trade, the struggle of the transition back that I saw personally. And I, and I saw some of my guys have as well is like when, when you're operating overseas, especially at kind of the periods of time that I did, you are the judge, the jury, and the executioner all at the same time. And so, like, there are no rules. And so you kind of get used to operating that way. Well, then you come back to the structure of the states. And whether it's in the military or out of the military, and all of a sudden there's kind of, like, expectations 
of a normal and organized society, which we all buy into the normal and organized society. But after you've been the judge, the jury, and the executioner, so to speak, it can be difficult to constrain now to the rules and regulations of a normalized society. And I experienced it, but coped with it. Other folks experience it and can't cope as well. And so you, again, I, I just keep using this analogy of swimming against the current. So you kind of find yourself outside of the mainstream and, and you struggle. Mm. So, so in terms of, um, you know, problems that come out of, um, of combat situations uh, and those more acute situations that you experience when you are serving overseas, um, PTSD is, is a bit of a generalized description for a whole um, list of, of symptoms. Um, Wes, what, what has been the sort of manifestation of, of PTSD that, that you've sort of encountered or seen either, you know, during your service, um, you know, amongst your teams or, or just with servicemen that you've worked with? Yeah, a great question, Simon. Thank you. Um, started out when I had my, uh, my command tour. So as you go up along your, your career path, you get to be the CEO of, of the equivalent of a organization. So mine was, uh, the advanced training command and that was a short command. It wasn't a combat. And so what our normal rotation of the seals, they would go overseas, do, do the combat tour and they come back and they would, as they would off ramp and go to a, a training command like mine, we, we trained, uh, military free fall, you know, static line parachuting. Uh, sniper school, you know, all, all the different, different vocational, uh, qualifications need to be, to be a, a, a qualified SEAL. And what I started noticing was the people that got home started getting, you know, showing those symptoms of just, you know, irrational anger, um, things like that. And I had a couple of guys come into me, Hey, sir, I, I'm, I can, you, it, there's something wrong. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I have this great guy <laughs> and, uh, our, our four psychiatrists at the time, uh, Dr. Eric Potterat, uh, he became one of the foremost uh, people on uh, PTSD at the time um, got to see a lot of my guys. And because what we found out was, well, I, and Witt said, you know, what, or you, or you were Witt, at, when they're overseas, you kind of tend to suppress it while you're, while you're busy doing business. Um, when they come home, though, they start thinking, that's when the things, that's when we found out that things started coming out. So that's on the active duty side, right? And then uh, getting, when I finally got out and I've been doing a lot of research, especially since this third retreat, I really, I really started doing my homework and what I found, like, there's a big statistic, uh, that we put in our brochure, 22 vets a day take their life according to, you know, uh, all government statistics or whatever. Well, when you dig into those statistics, um, <laughs> this really kind of shocked me, but when I think about it, it doesn't give my own, uh, experience with people who are taking their own lives. Um, the statistic bears out that of the 22 that take their life every day, 20 to zero. 20 of those are people who have separated from service. So either they've, uh, have left service or they retired or what have you. Only two of them are people that are actually in service and are, are doing the, doing their job today. And so, and that bears out from my own, I've, I've known six people personally who committed suicide. Uh, there were former service people. Only one of those was on active duty. No, I'm sorry. Two, I'm sorry. Two of those were on active duty. So two of the six, right? Um, or we're, uh, we're doing their, doing their job. Everyone else was a retiree or even separated. And so what we've, um, and during this last retreat, I was having, I forget who I had the discussion with. I, it may have been, and, and it doesn't matter, but the discussion ended up 
the, the person made the point was when you get out, think about it. You not only do you, you leave your group, your buddies, you also leave your entire identity you've had for however many years. In my case have been 25. And also you leave everything that, um, as far as like making a living. And so it, almost everything in your life that had, you had built your whole existence on, you gave up without, you know, a whole lot of help getting out. So, um, it really, again, that this, my own anecdotal personal experience with people who have, who have taken their life really bore out with, uh, with the whole 20 out of, you know, two out of 22 or 20 out of 22, um, whichever one you want to look at. So yeah, it's, uh, it's not r- just the folks that are on active duty doing the job. It really gets down to the lack of support that you see once you leave. Cause when you have that support, it, you, you can kind of get through, but it's when you don't have that explicit support that people have challenges. Yeah. I haven't said, I've spent a lot of time with people who have, and I've had lots of conversations with, uh, with soldiers who are looking ahead to coming out of the forces. And, and I think some of the conversations I've had with those people both before and after, it's that whole culture as well, settling into society where there isn't that commitment to quality and getting things done and so on. So basically you just get into a whole tailspin. And if you're in a fragile situation anyway, if you're managing um, PTSD and depression and so on as a result, result of your experiences that just creates a, a whole momentum which not surprisingly he- heads people down the, the wrong path there yeah, the other thing is uh, is lack of clarity of purpose that's the big one you know it's, it's not just mm. brother but you you know when you're when you I, I had three tours in afghanistan so my purpose was very clear and i had never been happier never been more professionally fulfilled because i knew exactly what i was supposed to be doing no doubts and uh, and you have a a uh a worthy endeavor, if you want to call it that, right? Mm, absolutely. Yeah, that sense of purpose is so important. And obviously that's something that, that gets lost, you know, when you when you leave the forces. I mean, in terms of, of all of the, the upshots of this, obviously, you know, in the more extreme cases, you know, you've got people uh, taking their lives and there's a there's a astonishingly high prof- proportion of people doing that but in terms of sort of managing ptsd um there's a wider impact isn't there on on families and uh, sort of extended friends of of those servicemen as well oh absolutely that's probably the unsung part of this whole thing is because for the six people i know that have taken their life i mean they all had families every one of them right Mm. and and where's the support for that and i i you know would it kind of somewhat mentioned of us expanding in other areas that that's something that as we hopefully um grow and expand we probably you know i know we should focus on those families as well and see we can't get them into some sort of uh assistance and 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 you know like it's not just about living today like i said it's about looking forward to live tomorrow and so if we can facilitate that that'd be wonderful so, so moving forward into more of a sort of subvets and a, and a treatment direction, um, in terms of treatments for things like PTSD, obviously there's the, the pharmaceutical approach, there's talking therapies. Obviously, all of those play a role and are effective. But with greater understanding of PTSD, people realise that the, the body and the mind is connected. I don't know why that was such an incredible discovery, but it is. And uh, trauma is held in the body as well as in the mind, which means that physical activity and the development of skills can really combine with the brain to help to sort of readjust and, and reduce 
the worst effects of PTSD and give them a more positive alternative focus. And a short film I'm sure that you've all seen is Resurface, which um, in the in the UK is on Netflix. It's a really powerful film. I think it's 20, 30 minutes long, but it really gives a taste of the sort of water therapy gives a taste of the sort of water therapy approach that you're providing and also it's an, its effectiveness. So, so Bart, um, you went on a retreat and your experience prompted you to getting together and to co-found SUPVETS. So what led to you going on to that retreat and what was your experience coming out of it, which led you to get this project moving? Yeah. Um, great question, uh, Simon. You know, first off, the prelude to this question, I think, was really important. And as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, you know, and Wes made a comment, looking forward to the next day, right? And so when you when you get out, you know, I got out because honestly, I was a little bored. I know that sounds crazy, uh, you know, being you know, a Tomcat for four squadrons in a row. But in a lot of ways, with the way the missions were going, I felt like I'd mastered it, right? I was like, you know this is kind of boring now. I know that sounds crazy, right? But it, it kind of was with, with the sup surfing till the day I die, I can keep progressing. Right. So to West's point about looking forward to getting up every day is different on the water. Every day there's different skill set. You know, it just, there's, there's no, I look forward to every day I can get into the water. Right. So with that in mind, you know, Wit and, Wit and West know this about me. I love numbers, but I only have two numbers in my life, zero and 100. There's no one to 99 for me. <laughs> you know, I'm either full fucking throttle or throttle back to idle. There's not like, hey, just go halfway. I, I can't. It's not part of my, my uh, vernacular, if you will. So um, I wanted to be as good as I could be at this newfound passion, right? And so I dove in. Um, Frankly, the skill sets that got me to be able to be a Top Gun graduate are what I'm applying to subsurfing, right? I got to go all in and I want to be as good as I can be for me, right? Um, and so I, every day I'm pushing it. it you know, we, we had this last retreat. God, it was good. It was six to eight feet, Simon. Glass. I mean, Wes, we couldn't ask for better waves if we were Kelly Slater's wave pool, right? And so this other guy, this older gentleman, um, who had been brought down and, you know, quite frankly, he was going through some stuff. He's a civilian. He'd owned a surf shop in, uh, uh was it Manhattan beach? I forget what, right. And, and he had to shut a surf shop down because of the homelessness and people are pissing on his boards. I mean, it's really bad. So, you know, he came down and just hung out with us, became part of the tribe. Right. And he was like, holy shit, Bart, you are charging on some of these waves. I'm like, really? I don't even realize it's that big because I'm just, blah, you know, I'm just going all in. So we, you know, we were fortunate enough to have a liquidity event in the company Whit and I are working at. And my wife was like, hey, go do something for yourself. And I was like, you know, sheepishly, what, pay for more weddings and colleges, you know, because that's what we do as dads, right? She's like, no. And, and in fact, I don't know if you remember, I think I asked Whit, like, hey, Whit, I'm going to go on the stand-up paddleboard retreat. You want to come with me? No. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I asked a bunch of people. I asked my wife. I asked my friends. I asked classmates. Everyone's like, no. So, uh, so I said, screw it. And I just went down there. Right. And so that was what is called the sup and surf retreat. They don't do them now. 
Um, they are exclusively with us. And that's now the generation guys, Kanga, Daniel, Sean Pointer, Lauren Saxby. I mean, these guys are just awesome, awesome people. The instruction to Witt's point earlier is it's professional. You know, these guys are professional. Daniel Hughes, he won the bronze medal. Sean won the world championship. And Kanga basically is one of the founders of professional service. Those are our instructors. It's incredible, right? So after I immersed myself in this event, I always have wanted to give back to the veteran community, right? I've always kind of wanted to do that. And, and Witt and I, in many conversations, we were like, yeah, we'd, I'd love to give back. And then Wes and I, in our building our relationship, both, you know, with the FinTech stuff and Honor Foundation, and then we started surfing and really developed a great relationship. I'm like, Wes, we got to do something together. And so I, I went on this retreat and it was just awesome. And I, Last night, I was overlooking where we do the, the the last dinner. And if you want, we can send you some pictures and stuff if you want to make that part of the podcast or something. But it's a beautiful spot. I just went, you know what? This is it. I'm going to start a nonprofit for vets. And the generation guys are just going to copy paste what they did for us civilians and do it for vets. Our group raises the money, finds the vets. They perform the retreat, right? Um, and I asked Sean, and I think it was Sachs, maybe Kanga, and I, they kind of were like, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, we'll do that for you. They didn't believe me. They did. Right. And I just said, give me a year. And so um, I got back. I landed. I called Wes up. I go, hey, I know what we're doing. What? I'm like, we're doing a nonprofit stand up paddleboard surfing for veterans. And we're going to take them down to Punta Mita, Mexico and create a tribal nature, create camaraderie, but more importantly, teach people how to surf. Wes is like, okay. I don't know anything about nonprofits. Neither do I. Um, so I called Wit. I go, Wit, we got to do this. And oh, by the way, we got to start in Tennessee. I'm in. I've never been on a surfboard. Don't worry about it. And so I literally went and bought the book, How to Start a Nonprofit for Dummies. And I went on a business trip and I basically took the book and put it to my forehead, got off, texted these two knuckleheads and said, okay, I think we got to do something like this and something like this. Let's go for it. And so three academy graduates can somehow figure out how to work the red tape of of the United States federal government and 75 page layers with our submission, we got approved. Right. And so we did our first retreat and that was all friends. And that was, should we even do this? Right. Are we crazy? You know, just tell us guys, are we off our rocker trying to do this or not? Every single one of them came back, do it. So Wes and I went, couldn't do it because at the time, unfortunately his his beautiful bride, uh, Jen was going through some significant cancer. And um, so, unfortunately, what couldn't be with us, but um, we're like, okay, I guess we got to do it, right? So then the second one, we we kind of stretched it a little bit. We didn't know the people as well, and then we knew some of them. Wit came down. I'll let him tell you about his experience. And um, that one definitely improved on the first one. And then this most recent one, Wes really, God, he just galvanized his group of brothers in this retreat blew me away. And, you know, so I, I think I'm answering your questions. I'll stop here in a second, but, but we, we focused so much on PTSD and TBI and, and veterans, mental health and everything. Um, and that's a part, there's definitely a component of what we do, but what I've found, number one, we can't explain it yet and we need to do a better job of it. And maybe being on this podcast, he'll help us bring it out. But I always say four words, Something happens down there. Something happens down there. It is a powerful event. And everyone 
has led to even more just something happens down there. I can't, you know, put my arms around it. And then the second point, the camaraderie is through the charts, right? And so I look back on it now. And I think Wit can say the same. I'm not going to speak for Wit. And I think Wes could say the same. I'm not going to speak for Wes. But now I realize I think we did this for us because we missed that camaraderie. We missed having those men and women that, you know, we served with. The instantaneous. And so we've had like Evelyn O'Donnery from uh, the SUP magazine. You know, she's come down. She's written a couple articles. And her one comment is always, how are you guys so accepting? Because we don't know these men and women from Adam, but we share a lineage of veteranship. And it's just immediately. Now, at the beginning of the week, Army guys kind of hang out with the Army guys, and the SEALs don't want to talk to aviators. You know, we get it. But I say at the kickoff dinner, I go, by Thursday, this will be a group. And we don't try to push it. It just happens. It's, it's very powerful. So, you know, my experience, we met our board member down uh, at my first experience. And he heard me. It's like, hey, if you're really serious about this, I'd love to be a part of it. I'm like, I am, Tim. So we kept in touch. And so he's our board member, Tim Evident. So um, I just had such an amazing event at that retreat. I knew that we could replicate it for veterans. And then I knew I needed my partners, uh, you know, Wiss, uh, Wiss. <laughs> I've never called you guys that, Witter and Wes uh, together. So, I mean, that's kind of the genesis of it. And then, you know, I do want you to, you know, pull out of wit his experience and now you know god bless him he did the work um and he just recently got married and has a beautiful bride who guess what like surfing so now he's motivated number one because he loves it but number two he wants to kick her ass in the light so simon something's happening i can't put my arms around it and i think the more we try to structure it and push it we might break something so right now we're just kind of going with the flow but it's a powerful week I have been emotionally moved every single retreat. It's trusting the process. Yeah, right. You know, there are dangers unpicking, you know, and there's stuff in there that you can identify and stuff that, you know, you don't know. I mean, funny enough, I, I had a similar conversation with an expert we had on the podcast about cold water swimming because there were some people there who were getting some really clear mental health benefits from that and and i you know we were trying to um get to the bottom of what the precise benefits were and i probably wasn't being too much help to him because he's the world expert and i'm just um speculating but uh, w- what we sort of came to is a bit of an agreement that there's a whole blend of different benefits in there so there's the exercise there's the social stuff there's the co- cold water itself and Although it's kind of quite useful to to know those things because you can make those things even better, and then you can take it to our sponsorship organisations and say, "Look, these are this is the science behind it." You, you very often can't do it in the, this sort of situation, and you've just got to trust that it's a combination. And uh, this whole buddies thing together, facing the challenge of somehow trying to manage Mother Nature in order to get get your rides there. And dealing with a different atmosphere where there's adrenaline, it might not be the same level of fear that you have when you're out in combat, but it's still a pretty significant challenge, you know, particularly when you've got a huge wave just uh, landing on top of you and turning you upside down. And so, you know, does it really matter what those individual bits are? Clearly it works. Yeah. A couple, couple things on that. You know, the Navy, when we were starting our nonprofit, uh, the Navy actually put $2 million towards a study 
about the effects uh, of surfing on, on mental health. It's still ongoing. I think they get the readout in, the, in a couple months, right? And then, you know, the second thing is, have you ever read The Blue Mind? Are you familiar with that book, The Blue Mind? Not only am I familiar with it, Bart, but you'll be pleased to hear that I interviewed the author, Wallace J. Nichols, who will be um, one of our podcast guests. Well, tell them about it, Dan. It will probably be, be out by the time this episode goes out. But yeah, I mean, I feel I feel like going, all right, Blue Mind, Sup Vets, and can we just plagiarize it and say here? Because it, yeah. it's happening, right? Mm. So that's it. And then, you know, about your whole cold water therapy and everything, a buddy of mine who I played rugby with, He's like, hey, Bart, let's meet. And I'm like, okay, you know, where you want to meet? He goes, well, I need to go swim in the Pacific. I'm like, did you bring your wetsuit? He's like, nope. So he goes and he looks for, he's an airline pilot. He looks for trips that are near cold water. Mm. And before he goes out and meets or anything, he goes for a cold water swim for like a half an hour, 45 minutes, right? So the water, the power of the water is, it's real. And the Navy, I think DOD is trying to figure it out. We know, but we can't objectively state this is what what happens. And so, saying something down, something happens down there, is powerful, but it's not objective. So, <laughs> something happens down there. You're listening to my chat with the Sup Vets, and we'll be right back. As always, a huge thank you to Starboard, who are once again this season's main sponsors. Starboard has a history of innovation across water sports, starting in 1994 by revolutionising the design of windsurf boards. And they've brought that bang up to date recently, bringing foil windsurfing onto the Olympic stage with their IQ foil package. Starboard got behind stand-up paddleboarding in a huge way in the early days and continued to lead the industry to reduce their environmental impact. Their focus on innovation brought them seven world champions at the ICF Worlds last year, and all of them were using their Lima paddle range. They continue to improve and innovate their boards and their paddles for all abilities across all flavours of the sport, including adventure. And you can find out more about Starboard through their website, which is linked to in the show notes. And now for the rest of my chat with SupVets. Well, let, let's skirt all the science because uh, I'm certainly not an expert here. Maybe we'll touch on that a bit later on. Let's get into, philosophy. Let's get into philosophy here, Bart. I know uh, you're a bit of a philosopher on the um, sly. Um, tell us a bit about the butterfly effect and how, how that impacts into the, the program. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, boy, that, that. So. The last two retreats, two retreats ago, we were having a retreat right basically as it was either starting or finishing the Afghanistan withdrawal, right? And um, there was a lot of emotions at this retreat. In fact, we had three combat medics, helo pilots who had just rotated out of Afghanistan about six to nine months ago, right? So that was a very emotional time. Um, quite frankly, it's an emotional time across the globe right now, if you think of it. Right. So we are getting a little philosophical. Um, so I think a lot of us globally, you, Simon, over in the UK, us here in the States are of that mindset of my God, what can I do? Right. We, we are in some insane times right now. And so at the, at the last dinner, I kicked it off and, um, you know, and I'd love Wit to say his, his portion about with you, which is very important. It's a rugby term that I've used with Wit, but. It just takes little steps, 
And so what, what I was trying to get to with our group that was there in a very highly emotional time was if you can be the light, right? If you can just be the light for yourself, if you can just learn to love yourself, we're all connected. You're going to love the world, right? And so the butterfly, it's scientifically proven. Here's an objective fact. It might be the first objective fact that we, we talk about during this podcast, but it's been proven that a butterfly flapping its wings in Africa is the genesis of starting a Category 5 hurricane, right? So we all want to deal with what's going on with, with the world right now and be the Category 5 hurricane and wipe it out and fix it. It ain't going to happen that way, right? We all need to flap our wings. Each one of us needs to be light and start changing it. Change yourself first, right? And, and be that light. And if I flap my wings, Whit flaps his wings, Wes flaps his wings, we get enough people buying into our connectivity across the globe, our connection to each other, and that we're light, then we'll slowly start turning this boat. Unfortunately, slowly is the adverb, but we're going to start turning it. And so we're trying to galvanize these group of veterans and civilians, right? We have Jody come down. She stretches us. My wife come down, comes down and does bowls. Evelyn's come down. She'd never even met a vet before. In fact, the first time she met, it was, what's and I? When you walk out of the Puerto Varta airport, there's a pub there. And that's our rally point. So I'm like, come on, Wes. Holy shit, we did it. And we grabbed the cold beer. And here comes Evelyn. So not only is she meeting a very loud, verbose naval aviator, she's also meeting a SEAL who's not loud and not verbose. That's why Wes and I get along. And I come up to him like, Evelyn. And she's like, oh, my God. Here come these baby killing vets, you know? But, um. She was amazed, right? And so if we can just start this little group of people here and put to me to Mexico, and that group becomes another group, next thing you know, we got whatever it is, 15 circles of Kevin Bacon, and we're slowly changing the world. It sounds crazy, but that's the butterfly fact, right? And I think we're, I think we're doing it. I think we're having a positive impact. And if they can bring a slight bit of that positive impact into the real world, then we've done our job. And it will start changing it slowly, unfortunately, but over time. So I think, you know, that that's the message that we were getting across with the butterfly effect. And, and Wits, what's, what's your reflections on, on that? Yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah. Being a part of this, not being able to make the first one. Uh, so when I got down to Mexico for the second one, I was, you know, obviously thrilled to be there. And I was able to come in as one of the board, you know, founders here and it kind of had a, a new eye, right? They had seen the success already. There I was. I kind of considered myself going through as a day one camper, right? I mean, when I got to Mexico and and picked up a sub board for the first, it was the first time. So, I mean, I was like so many of the people going through. And and we talked about this kind of our actor action review of that second one. It's like, we know we've got something here. Obviously, we were well established none of us are scientists i was an economist major at the bottom of my class at west point so let's get real academic here um but we're like yeah there's something pretty magical comes down here but we got to figure out how to say it and so when we came out of that one one of the we came up with a couple points we're like you know what you get into the phase of your life that like we're all in right now we're very busy we're raising families We're, we're trying to make a dime it's kind of like it's the grind period, as you will. And so when you get into the grind period, you're most likely not out there making a lot of new friends. You kind of you kind of have your tribe you run around with. And so here we are down in Mexico, middle-aged guys, we're making new friends. 
that does something to us. The other thing that we saw that we were doing down there, rinse and repeat the comment about being middle-aged, is like, now I'm also doing something new. We don't do a whole lot of new stuff at this point in our lives, right? And so like, I, again, we've qualified. There's nothing scientific being said right now. It's like doing something new triggers parts of the brain that you don't do on a normal basis, okay? And then we all talked about the water. The way I like to talk about it is Mother Nature is undefeated. Therefore, the ocean shall always win. Well, that's very humbling. So if you're humbled, you're excited about doing something new with new people, and you've now theoretically triggered areas of your brain that you're not using all the time. So many of the societal bullshit guards and gates we put up, they come down and we get rolled. And we talk about things that we don't always talk about. Now, whether it's emotional feelings, PTSD, and those kind of things, whether it's politics, whether it's whatever, it doesn't matter. We are open for new things. We're open for new conversations and we leave change. And that's, that's a great point. If I can interrupt real quick. You know, Simon, again, this is what we're trying to get at, right? One of the nights we all went back to where we ate dinner. What was there? Probably 10 of us, right? And we had uh, an American of African descent, right? Uh, we had an American of Asian descent. We had, we had all, we're all immigrants, right? And I just said, hey, my grandfather came over, got spit on, served in World War One, didn't know English, you know, and the balls on him and then you know our brother chill was talking about how his parents came from trinidad tobago and how his father was actually stationed in hawaii and he was the one who calculated how to get to the moon remember that i mean so, and then wes i mean they should be in jail right wes <laughs> it's such a great story about your background right and so none of these people would have had these conversations number one number, number two none of these people would have probably felt comfortable having these conversations because it was obvious we had, we had different ages, we had different sexes, we had different political beliefs, but veterans lead the way. Right. And so we had these great conversations. And at the end, it was just like, Holy smokes. Think of the balls that our forefathers and foremothers had to get to this country. Isn't it great? That is completely different conversation than we're seeing in the press over here. Right. When I say something happens down here, we're able to understand different people's viewpoints. We're able to understand where they're coming from and have a great dialogue. And we call it going to the veranda because there's this old veranda. We'd all go, we'd all sit there and we have to talk about anything, right? That's camaraderie. That's getting your feelings out. Some, some guys and gals got really passionate and guess what? We let them because they're probably not in that spot in their life in the civilian world where someone might understand them, Right. And so we just, again, we, this had nothing to do with surfing. They, and one of our, our last retreat members, he made such an amazing point again, that we didn't even realize he goes, you have created a safe space in the true world of the pronouns and all that bullshit, but we've created a space for veterans to come in and they immediately feel part of this tribe. It's really powerful. Can we objectify that? No, but it's really powerful. So sorry if that, but I wanted, you made a good point and I hadn't even thought about it until you just said it. So I want to make sure 
that we talked about that. Wes, anything, Wes? Uh, Simon, sorry if I went off. Well, no, no, that's all right. I'm going to ask Wes about his uh, um, his story that you uh, trailed to. Um, you outed him on there, Bart, just a few seconds ago. So we'll definitely have to get that out of him. But but just sort of coming back to um, changing brain patterns and so on, you know, and I hate to come back to the PTSD thing, but it's a, a significant thing. You know, it, it, this is all about replumbing your brain, as you said, which you're learning new stuff, you're learning new skills. We, we are, as humans, sort of stimulus response type animals. And that's part of the problem when we get stuck in a certain sort of pattern. And it sounds like what you're creating in your environment is a more flexible environment. You're learning something completely new. You're with a bunch of totally new people in new circumstances. And, you know, You've got no skin in the game in terms of uh, of conversations, I guess, with those guys, because, you know, in two weeks time, you might not see them again. But you're starting to build those bonds, um, you're learning new skills together, and you're building those connections from scratch. And what that means is, is that if you're stuck in a thought pattern, which isn't serving you, but depression or PTSD or, or other sort of concerns, it kind of gives you um, other options and helps you manage that more effectively. And those those differences help you when you kind of leave the re- retreat as well. Um, that's just my speculation, by the way. I'm, I'm not a doctor. So, Wes, um, tell us. Tell us a story. Uh, well, first, I'm going to get a little bit of philosophy on you. So um, then I'll tell you the story. Uh, it just kind of jump on what both um, wit and uh, I'm going to reload you guys. Oh, there you are. I'm, I'm back. Yeah, I'm back. You good. Okay. Yeah. No, the, uh, I can see you guys again. I got a storm going over me right now. That's why I'm coming chopping in and out of here. Um, so good old South Carolina. It, it rains a bit down here. Um, so, uh, yeah. Have you ever heard the term misogi, a misogi event? So, um, last few years I've been really getting uh, as a part of my own, uh, uh, clientele that I deal with in, in, in my, uh, paying job, if you will. Um, I've really been becoming a student of philosophy and a student of self-improvement. Um, it hadn't reflected much yet, but at least I am studying it. Right. Um, so with that, I started, I came up one, I came across a Masogi, the Masogi, which, you know, for, for your listeners was an ancient, uh, Japanese ritual by which you cleansed your body and your soul. A lot included a lot of very cold waterfalls, a little bit of um, beating yourself with, uh, you know, seaweed and whatnot. And, uh, and just kind of going through very cleansing times, if you will, in the modern vernacular, it's really about something that, that you would try to do and you have less than 50% chance of actually doing it. Um, you, you can't do something that will kill you, but you, as long as it, whatever the endeavor is going to be, you have less than 50% chance of, of completing it. And what they found is that once you do complete these little Nasogi events, your mind just expands as far as what it, what you are personally are capable of. And so going into this third retreat, I really started applying everything I've been doing with, uh, my professional side into what I would challenge, uh, the attendees on. So we talked about, you know, I get into Western philosophy with stoicism. I get into Eastern philosophy, uh, anything Confucius based. I get into African proverbs. I get into modern day, uh, 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 sayings and, 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 and modern philosophy as well. So we, we have a quote of the day and we, and we base the day on that quote. Right. Um, so we got, because, and I'm doing this, or I did this for the third retreat because after learning from the first two retreats, I found that, um, or we all did, we all found that 
the surfing needs to be the focus, but not everybody's going to go back to a place where they can surf. So if you're from Ohio and you do it once, so all the, the, you get into the studies Bart talked about, they're wonderful as far as like the, the impact that surfing has. Problem is you got to keep surfing. And if you can't keep surfing, what else can you do? And that goes back to what Witt's saying, hey, trying to expand in other areas to try and keep that stoke going in whatever flavor you can. Um, the other thing, uh, you know, meditation, like Bart mentioned with, it, uh, with, with his wife, also um, physical preparation, physical maintenance with, uh, with, with Jody Barrett, uh, keeping, because if you want to be a granddad, do you still want to play with your kids when you're 60 plus? You're going to have to be able to move before you can play with them, right? Or else it's going to be a really sucky time. Um, so these are the things that we're, talking about so that your quality of life, your resiliency, if you will, gets increased. And so that's kind of, I wanted to jump on that too and kind of, you know, full, you know, just fill that out for people to think about when they think about SCP vets, it's really about resiliency. And it's about that. And at the end of the day, it's about that that comradeship you rekindle. And we still have a SUP vets three, uh, uh, text that everybody is damn near daily or someone's reaching out to somebody on that thing and making a joke or something. It's hysterical. And, but it's, it's a great way to connect. Uh, so to the story, sorry, I had to kind of dive that out. So, um, my, on my mom's side, don't know about my dad's side. I think actually my dad's side is worse. Cause we just don't know. I just know what his brothers and, you know, it was just, yeah, not good. Kansas farmers, hard. Oh, bad. Anyway, mom's side, uh, the Daltons, uh, poor immigrants from Ireland, uh, came over here during one of the potato famines cause they were starving. Uh, if you ever see wanted signs for the Dalton gang, those are direct descendants of mine. So I am descended directly from bank robbers of the wild west. Yes. No kidding. And every time I tell people that they're like, oh, that explains a lot, Wes. Anyway, but no, it's, it's I mean, that's so cool. <laughs> so going to the results, I mean, clearly, as you said, Bart, there are some really powerful um, results that have been driven out. Um, what's the feedback that you've had other than that people have enjoyed it? You know, in terms of the practical changes in their life that, that they've sort of carried forward and carried out of those retreats. Just, just give me, give me a bit of a taste of, of what those have been. Yeah, actually, um, I was actually going to go and open up our, uh, our latest AAR and just read, um, you know, some of the, uh, some of the comments, but, um, you know, while I do that, I can, I can kick it off to Witt and West, but, but ultimately, you know, multiple people are buying boards and are, and are getting out on the water, which is great. You know, some of the people can't, right. Because they're landlocked. Right. Um, but I think the biggest, the biggest result of this is, is understanding that they are part of a tribe. And as Witt said, we are with you. Right. And so again, um, like Witt said, right. You, you get out and Sometimes you're lucky enough to get into a group uh, of a bunch of veterans. So, so there's just that camaraderie. Other times you're not, right? And so I think a lot of what we're trying to do is let people know, number one, that you got to take care of yourself, right? And being on the water is, is one of the most powerful ways we can do that. But number two, we also entered in, and you know, guys and gals, they would share some pretty deep stuff. Like one of the individuals had had a horrific mental illness. And, you know, I had known it, but I didn't say anything. And, you know, uh, at the last night he, he got up and said, thank you. And his, he was, you know, an outlier in that he was a coast guard, just fine, I guess. And we shouldn't have let him go. He's a coast guard. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but he just said, thank you for welcoming me so, so deeply. Right. 
And then I was actually out with him Sunday and he's like, Bart, I just keep going back to the retreat. That was the best week of my life. So, I mean, how do you, and that's, that's, I mean, just copy paste that, Simon, right? And so I, I think it's a combination of doing new things. I think it's a combination of being around the three of us who are stoked with life, right? We've all had our issues. Um, and if you can hear, there's little underpinnings that these retreats have been good for all of us. Mm. Right. So, so the other thing which seems to be uniform across the world as well is the aloha factor around stand-up paddling. Because you know, having spoken to top-level athletes who compete, and um, and having you know engaged with people at all levels within paddle sport, there does seem to be a commonality and a welcoming of people together into, as you say, the tribe. You know, there's the military tribe, but there's also the paddle tribe. And and I guess yep. one of the advantages of sort of being out even if it's a, a pond somewhere and, and that also gives you the opportunity to get out on your your stand up paddleboard. So, you know, just because you're not surfing doesn't mean to say that uh, you know, you can't get that connection with the water and that enjoyment and, and connect with people. Exactly. In fact, one of the guys that uh, Whit and I had worked with back in the day, Matt MM, uh, he bought it. It's MM, right? He bought one of the most beautiful stand up all wood, right? Whit, I mean, this thing is incredible. And he goes out on the river, right, in Arkansas. And battles right here. Yeah. Uh, And he's just like, I love it. Right. And I actually forwarded him a uh, article from the SUP magazine about river surfing, river supping. He's like, oh my gosh. So we got to get, and then like I told Wit, right. It could be a bay. It could be a river. It could be a lake. There's another organization that we sponsored called SUP 14 and they do flat water stuff. And uh, they just get people out on the water and they cruise around on flat lakes in Texas. Right. We obviously take it to a different extreme, zero to a hundred, no one to 99. We're like, screw the flat water. We want to go get barrel. You know, we want to go push ourselves and, and get crushed. Right. So, um, there's just a, a powerful component to being out on the water and, um, it's a game changer. It, it, it really is. Um, it really is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so the, the third retreat was there. You, you reviewed it. Um, what, what are the changes that that um, that you've observed, or or are you just leaving things alone? Uh, the uh, the one thing we changed again when I go back to the resiliency, really focusing on that. Uh, that you'll see in our uh, after action review if, if you want to hear some of it. But the biggest takeaway for me on that after action view was that surfing was secondary. It was almost never mentioned. Uh, it, it was uh, you know we had the camaraderie. I think was probably prime priority. Um, but we, when we took it, take a look at the whole thing that we changed, adding the physical preparation and, and physical resiliency and mobility, especially, I mean, I just know for me personally, yeah, I've had sur- surgery on both shoulders, I had surgery on both knees a year ago. I couldn't do a full squat. Right. And after, um, working out with the person we brought down to help us out, she volunteered I can do that now. And in this last retreat, and I was doing, I was doing straight drops off eight foot faces, making a bottom turn, coming up, hitting a lip and then coming back down on eight foot weights. Right. I mean, I'm 57 for crying out loud and couldn't, couldn't do that. Right. And and so having somebody like that added to it. And then, you know, we haven't said very much, but Bart's wife, Kathy and her bowl meditation is huge and so you have the mind you have the body and you have the soul i think with the ocean and that's the way i was kind of looking at it from just my own personal extent 
and you have the, so you have the triad, you have the full balance of everything you need in order to be resilient as a human being. What are you going to say, Simon? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's developing that, that quiver. Um, and I, I've talked about that in, in previous conversations around mental health. It's about having your list of things that work for you. And, and Bart, I did want to, to ask about uh, your wife's meditation sessions. And, uh, it's something that I've done for quite some time and was very surprised to notice that uh, it, it has quite a significant effect. And, um, because obviously your wife is the in-house expert on that one, I'm going to treat you as the authority. <laughs> Oh, oh man. Just dangerous assumptions. Um, if not, I'll come to you, Wit, on this. But, uh, Honestly, these guys. <laughs> Tell me about yeah. meditation, Bart. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, it's, it's. It, I mean, Tell me about meditation in five minutes. Go, right? Okay. Um, there's a much longer and deeper story to this, but um, my wife started coming out to Carlsbad, California for the Deepak Chopra. Um, certification for meditation it's called primordial sound uh meditation instructor through the chopra center um and it was funny because she she came back i think she went out there four or five times for like a three or four day period to get this certification and about the third or fourth time she came back she says hey um san diego's our next zip code at the time we were three years out from moving right so you know you can see how things get going but um she's she's practiced you know primordial sound meditation. And she's also a a practitioner of crystal bowls. And so as we were putting this together again, that first retreat is like, Hey guys, want to give this a shot. Right. Um, and so a lot of the people who come to the retreat have never been exposed to the power of meditation, but more importantly, the whole crystal bowls and and the, the therapy that, um, is part of that aspect. So, um, she does it Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, and Thursday nights. And so after we eat dinner as a group, we have our own little room set out, pillows and um, and, uh, and blankets. And she puts everyone through a, a crystal bowl session. And it's really just a grounding session to end the day. There's a message. Wes puts out a message for this last retreat. And guys and, and, and gals just, they love it. They eat it up. The, and, and, and again... Surfing secondary, right? Surfing is the medium for us to get people down. But again, you're looking at men and women who are in. Anyone who's coming to this retreat is typically going to be a veteran. Um, we we allowed three active duty uh, helo bubbas to come because they're awesome, and we'll we'll bring active duty. And we'd love for some people to come over uh, from the UK, right? It'd be awesome. You guys are our, our, our comrades in arms, right? But. At that point in your life, and Simon, you have a practice. You understand how powerful it is. Wit had started one. I don't want to say that our retreats pushed him into that realm, but they definitely pushed him into another realm, which it pushed me into, and it's pushed Wes into, right? So you understand the power of, of being quiet and, and um, being silent and still. And so you're, and, and all these are voluntary, right? You don't have to go to this bowl meditation session everybody's gone, right? And how many men and women at this point in their lives that are so busy, that are on their cell phones all the day, that are connected all the day, that right, have the chance to sit down for an hour and be present and think what you need to think, right? Uh, or not think. And so, man, this last retreat, the last night of the bowl session, we all sit down, Kathy does her talk, and fireworks go off. 
and it was just like boom, 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 boom. And I was like, well, that's an interesting way to start out. Yeah. <laughs> but you want something like, oh, shit, really? But then it started to rain. It was shh. And I'm like, whoa. And then the bowls started. And then it was, and guys are coming up to me afterward, like, you know, a couple, you know, I'm trying not to say names and stuff. But a couple of the guys came after me like, what just happened? I don't know why. I was going here. I was going there. And I'm just like, yes, deal with what you, you know, you went where you needed to go. I don't know where you went. Right. So these sessions, I, again, like, you know, like Wes said, Jody is the physical. Kathy's the holistic spiritual. And the ocean is the medium. Right. And so we've got this triad. And if we can bring that triad back to our lives, it's going to be a, a much more healthier lifestyle. It's going to be a much more healthier life. And the three of us, maybe even the first retreat, we might not have necessarily been there. This third retreat that we're on, having gone through these processes, we are all three much better men. We're better men. Uh, is that because of these retreats? Might be. <laughs> I'm not going to go so far and say it is. But the three of us being part of these retreats have had extremely deep and powerful conversations about the state of our life and the state of where we are and where we want to go. And all three of us have made tremendously powerful changes in our lives. So um, is that crystal ball therapy session part of that? It might be. I'm not going to be verbose and say, of course. But again, something happens down there. That's all I'm going to tell you. Guys have tears in their eyes. Guys are laughing, you know, and so we don't ask. No one says a word. People come up, talk to cats a little bit. We're like, hey, we're done for the day. See you in the morning. And, you know, some people go and, and, you know, it's Mexico. You want to see a bunch of amazing artists that are Mexican singing Michael Jackson. We got that. You know what I mean? Um, it's fun, right? And people go have a cocktail and go to bed at night or something like that. But after that session and after you've been through all this stuff, sharing and camaraderie, by the end of the day, people are emotionally and physically exhausted. It's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. So, so no Is that different? You know? no, no problem sleeping at powerful mix. And yeah, don't, uh, don't disturb what's, uh, what's working. Plus the other thing, last thing, Simon, she's really good sup surfer. So here comes this bowl lady. And then the next day she shows up on the waves and people are like, holy smokes. Like, yeah, that's my lady. <laughs> and then she gets hurt, but whatever. So. Well, the occupational hazard, I guess, for us all um, middle-aged uh, surfers, it's uh, it's a bit of a problem. So obviously th there's been some quite phenomenal experiences you've experienced both yourself and um, everyone who's joined you. Um, in terms of the the, the, um, the financing, all of the boring stuff around um, SUPVET, how's that structured? Because it's a, it's a non-profit organisation um, and obviously the, the vets themselves don't pay for this. You guys don't take any wages or anything for doing this. Um, how does that all work? Yeah, so um, we don't pay ourselves. 98.5% uh, of the donations go to the retreats. Why not 100%? Well, we've got an accountant who helps us with the taxes. We've got some marketing costs, website, you know. But, uh, you know, we have, we have to have some capital to run the, the business. Um, and quite frankly, we, we need help, right? We, we need help raising uh, cash for these events, you know, net, net, it's about a 16 to 20 person event. 
right? You throw in the instructors and, you know, we'd like to have, you know, someone like Evelyn come. And then we've got, you know, Jody's and Kathy's net net. It's 15 to 20 people. And they actually just raised prices on us last week. We haven't told you that yet, but it we, uh, Sachs, we got a, uh, a text, uh, a text from them, but everybody is right. It's where we are. We can handle it. But, um, you know, net net, it's about $50,000 all in for a retreat. Mm-hmm. And so we have been able to raise money, quite frankly, with not a lot of effort. Uh, COVID set us back, right? We were like, we're on hold for a year, period, right? Um, so we need to step up our creativity in our fundraising game. But honestly, it's been a word of mouth. And we've asked some people. And quite frankly, it's, um, it's the generosity of people right now. Uh, we, we, we are going to go out this year for corporate sponsorship, um, you know, because even after this third retreat, the attendees are like, this has to happen. Right. So, um, right now we've been able to have funds for every retreat that we've needed to do basically by word of mouth, sending out some emails and, and working our network, but we need to up that game. So we need help with that from a fundraising perspective. And like I said, we're not there to make a profit. We're not there to do anything. We're there to provide an amazing experience for these veterans um, and active duty if, if they get the time off. Hey, Skipper, I want to go down to Mexico and surf for a week while on active duty. Hey, deny. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, that conversation is going, hey, great idea. No, deny. Next. You know, so active duty, I think it might be a little problematic to get down there. But um, yeah, we, um, we're at that stage where we've survived. We've done amazing work and not that we haven't been serious, but now it's like, we got to up our game in the money raising perspective. Um, we just do, but right now it's been word of mouth. And, and I think we're, what that allows us to do because of what we want to do here is if, if we can stack monthly retreats for the foreseeable future because of corporate sponsorship, et cetera, I mean, then, then we can, these, the butterfly flap starts picking up pace, right? And then so, it, you know, if we're able to look vets in the eye and go, you know, what is June of 22? We just slotted you for the July of 23 retreat. It's funded. We are on. And then we branch out and do some of the stuff we talked about before. You know, maybe we're running charters out of Isla Mirada and the Keys and hooking guys up on billfish and do it, but, you know, and taking the same concept. And that's what this corporate funding would allow us to do. And it, it'll be life chain for the folks that, that we are allowed to get down there. Absolutely. And, and as you say, you know, um, there's studies going on in terms of, of surfing. Uh, I know that there's been studies going on in terms of hiking as well. Um, it doesn't really matter, as you've referred to, and as the people being on the re- retreat um, have referred to, it doesn't really matter what the activity is. It's the key thing about getting people together in that unusual environment, giving them the tools in order to, to manage their jobs and just changing some of that brain chemistry for a short time to get them out of operating where, you know, they they've uh, got stuck through no, no fault of their own it's um yeah. a really exciting exciting prospect so you know think about it simon like you're there you've been out all morning you, you know everybody's working hard right it's about 12 o'clock we got lunch in about an hour and this last retreat was a case of point there was an individual sitting there could tell that he was somewhere could tell that it wasn't necessarily somewhere positive 
So I just went yeah. over, put my board down, hit him on the shoulder. Hey, man, I'm going to grab a cold beer. Well, one, he said, yeah, sure. Okay. So I came over, boom, brought him a cold beer. We we're just sitting there watching the water. I go, what's up? And he's like, man, I have really fucked this away. <laughs> and I'm like, preach to the choir, what? You know what I mean? It's okay. We all do. And he just unloaded. And he goes, man, thank you. And I was like, you got it. You could now. He goes, I haven't talked about that in 15 years. Right. And all I did, I didn't say a word. I just got him talking. Right. I'm like, okay, man. Hey, dude, you did great in the water. Man, I can't wait. I got to go get ready for lunch. And off he went. And I was like, how can you put a price around? Right. Uh, How can you put a price around it? That happens. These micro moments happen. I mean, Whit caught his first wave and I paddled over to him. We both jumped in the water, hugged each other and fucking cried like babies. Uh, right. And, and the other guy was a combat medic in Fallujah. He had dysentery. He was throwing up. He would paddle a hundred yards away from us, Simon, jump off his board, throw up, paddle over and go, come on, I'm going to catch this wave. Holy smoked, right? And he caught it, right? And and I paddled over and I gave him a hug and we both started crying. He pushes me away and he says, that's the first time I've been present since the Battle of Fallujah. Put a price on that, you mm-hmm. know? And I just said, I don't know what to say. Not like I'm some trained psychologist. to go, all I know, dude, is on a wave. You can't be thinking of the past. You can't be thinking of the future. You're here. What is the wave giving me now? What is God's creation giving me now? What canvas this, you know, face? What has this, you know, my board's a paintbrush. Whit taught me that. Because I'll text him. I go, hey, dude, I'm going out. And Whit will text me back. Go create. Right? So uh, how can you put a price tag on that? Right? So these little micro moments are occurring. I wish we had someone following us on camera so we could capture it. You know, these micro moments are occurring. I would say 50 to 100 times a day during the retreat. It's just little things, and it's little flaps of the butterfly wing. Powerful, powerful stuff. So the other thing that struck me about um, SARP Vets is the collaboration involved in it, because obviously there's you three guys. You've got Tim, who's the fourth Beatle. <laughs> Somebody get that, that reference to I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure which one uh, he'd be. Uh, but then you're also uh, – Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Well, who would he be? You're the smartest one of the group. Who would he be? Ringo? Ringo. 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 Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Now, now you've got to work out who um, um, John, Paul, and George is. But, um, <laughs> but in, in terms of the collaboration, obviously, you guys have got together, found each other, and then you've also got the organization as well that you've engaged with. And you've got the other people who are who are taking part in the, the retreats. I mean, it is a massive team effort, this, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to steal the mic. Um, so I'll let Whit, um, Whit and, and Wes talk. Yeah. But Kanga, Sean, real quick. Kanga, Sean, Daniel, and Sachs are just, first off, great people, right? But I think, I think the synergies occur because the typical bet that's coming down here is usually, it doesn't have to be, right? He or she is usually an operator and they're accomplished and they had to have some sort of mental fortitude or discipline to get to a level of proficiency, right? I mean, what's a combat ranger? That doesn't happen easy, right? Wes is a SEAL. 
that doesn't happen easy. And then, you know, I'm God, I'm a Top Gun graduate. So I looked out on these lesser mortals, but that didn't happen easy. They know I'm fucking feeding them shit. But ultimately they recognized that we had to put some sort of work towards our craft to become experts at it. Quite frankly, if we weren't, we'd get killed. So then you transition that over. These are world professional surfers that have committed to their craft, right? So there's a mutual respect and a mutual concurrence that a group of professionals come together around a love of the water. The instruction that these guys give is constant, tireless, and it's incredible. And so they love giving back also. And then, you know, Kanga and Wit, I would just sit there and listen to him. Kanga's an incredibly red individual. Wit is also, and so is Wes. I'm a little bit, but it's all about Egyptian pyramids and all that crap. But to sit there and have Wit and Wes and Kanga talking about World War II and Rommel and everything, it's unbelievable, right? So again, I think they get just as much giving as as we do being there to be under their instruction. So sorry if that was a little bit long, but I love Wes and Wit's point. Yeah, the, uh, I think uh, one thing also to remember is those instructors before the first retreat ha- it hadn't really, they, they told us they never really dealt with anyone in the military before. So it was just like Evelyn, you know, when she'd be like, oh yeah, God, Bart West, you made crickets. Um, it was the same thing with those guys. They didn't know what to expect. All you hear is the stories about, you know, people suffering from PTSD, blowing up all over the place. And um, my boss had come down. My boss is my cameraman for my for my podcast, which is funny. But um, he had come down and he had watched the last three days of the resort of the retreat, rather. And um, and he made the comment on the last night's dinner um, to me regarding the instructors and especially uh, the the Shans and the Daniels, the younger ones. He goes, "Hey Wes, I think uh, you guys have made these guys into men." <laughs> and I'm just like thinking about back and thinking. Uh, how their how their mindset was prior to us going there. Um, it, it, you know, to watch Sean laugh like he did, to watch you know Daniel you know, to step up his game, you know, things like that are just are amazing. Because so it's a two way street. You know, we like uh, like like Bart just said, we learn from each other for sure, and and not only skill level but also just life lessons. Um, and so I think uh, overall, that's been one of my favorite things to see is just how we've impacted each other and how we've come just in three in three retreats um so that's yeah keep those are kinds of things you can't really put a price tag on you can't really quantify that in a a spreadsheet but it is definitely as part of the magic yeah and coming back to the misogi effects you're all um top operators as are every every uh, one of the veterans who who come down there they're experts in their fields and and this is all about sort of pushing your boundaries and learning new skills and this is where the the sort of military mindset i think really comes in because you guys are used to performing at a high level so you're presented with this new opportunity to learn or they're presented with that new opportunity to learn they're not going to go in there you know half-assed there they're going to go full bore for it and you know that there's a saying the british army i'm sure it's the same elsewhere but it's uh, train hard fight easy and and it's that sort of attitude you bring to it and i don't know whether this is is planned or not but if i was a casual trainer and then i knew that i was going to get video analysis of my technique i would up my game pretty damn quick so you've got a double effect you've got the desire to do well plus you've got that video analysis i mean how do people deal with that and do you find that that really sharpens people's approach to learning 
I have a funny story and then I'll, I'll let winter West. <laughs> we had a green beret, um, on our first retreat and great God, God he's so great. He, he was working, working and everybody wants to catch a wave and, and Simon, you just nailed the mindset. It's like, okay, number one, people don't think about it, but knowing that they're going to get reviewed, knowing they're going to be get tons of shit fed for when they fall flat on their face from their fellow vets as we're doing the video review. It's kind of a big deal, right? So this Green Beret, he's out there and he's not catching a wave or anything. And I'm, I think I was next to you <laughs> or something. And he's like, <laughs> and I look at Wes and go, you know, I don't think this is necessarily indicative to mental health. Remember that? And it's like, kind of pile over here, dude, it's all right, man. You'll catch the wave. Oh, I'm like, this is a relaxing and joyful event. <laughs> Doesn't have to be a competition everywhere. You will catch a wave. But it's so funny. I was like, ooh, I didn't take that into account. People are just getting pissed. God, ah, you know, and I was like, huh, all right, we might need to work on that aspect of well, that, it. Well, that's all the disruption before the therapy starts, clearly. Hopefully he came out the weekend. Thank you, Simon. Yeah. So yeah. I just forgot that Mother Nature's undefeated. There you yeah. go. There you go. Yeah. He wasn't humble enough, maybe, in that moment. That was... Uh, well, that's right. You're going to say, taketh away. <laughs> um. Anything, anything else, guys, that, that um, you'd like to sort of talk about before we, we wrap up? Two things. Um, Simon, thank you so much. This has been a blast. Um, hopefully you can see the three of us, the three amigos. Man, we have such a great time. We're so committed to this, and especially the people come down. Um, and then the second thing is get a couple of your mates and have them come to our next retreat. Get a, mm -hmm. get a couple of the UK bubbas or bubettes. And uh, if they're interested, contact us. Uh, so I think it'd be a hoot. So uh, that's it for me. Thank you so much. And, and publicly to, to Wit and Wes, I love you guys. You guys are amazing partners and let's keep doing it, man. So Wit, Wes, over to you guys. But thanks, man. This is so much fun. And Simon, hopefully one day uh, I'll share the lineup with you. You never know. Well, that sounds good. Guys, it's been great chatting with you. Appreciate you sharing your stories and the great work you're doing. And obviously it's so important for everyone to recognize those servicemen and women who are able to make it home. Their sacrifices don't always stop when they've left the service. And the work you're doing shows how water and sup can be a real healer. Thanks so much, guys, for joining us and uh, look forward to catching up on the water. Thank you, Simon. Been awesome. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you.